The Sports Report is brought to you by iHome, the number one brand in digital audio. From lightning dock alarm clocks to rechargeable Bluetooth boom boxes and quality affordable headphones, iHome has you covered. To learn more, head to iHomeAudio.com. Welcome to episode number 417 of the Sports Report Podcast. I'm Paul Roberts on grizzlyproductions.tv. New shows every Monday on the Grizz. The show is also free in the podcast section of iTunes. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Sports RPT. That's my handle on Twitter. Always appreciate your comments about the show at the Sports RPT. We have a big baseball segment on the way. We actually had a benches clearing brawl on Sunday. That was a brawl. Normally, everybody just stands around, chirps a lot, and acts real tough. This time, a star player got punched right in the face. Breaking news. The Blue Jays and Rangers, they don't like each other. I'll tell you how my trip to Yankee Stadium went this weekend. Some interesting jerseys that I spotted in the Bronx. Had a great time with my dad and some friends. We got to see Batances, Miller, and Chapman back to back to back. First time all season that that has happened. And those guys are nasty. I mean, flat out filthy stuff. Plus, find out who is the biggest surprise in Major League Baseball. We as sports fans love Game 7s, right? Win or go home, everything on the line, all the cliches you want to throw out there. These are the games that separate the men from the boys. Unfortunately, we have seen some absolute duds this year in the NBA and the NHL when it comes to Game 7s. The Raptors and Heat was the latest addition. I'll break it down and look ahead to the conference finals. We are down to the final four. My pick's on the way, and I'll also get into Steph Curry a little bit. The NHL Western Conference Finals are underway, and how about Jason Day and the show that this guy put on at the Players' Championship over the weekend? All of those stories and much, much more here on episode number 417 of the Sports Report Podcast with you every Monday on The Grizz, that's grizzlyproductions.tv, and of course on iTunes. Please keep those five-star reviews coming there. That helps to promote the show. I'll tell you what, I hope it's warmer where you're at. This morning I get up, it's 37 degrees. 37 I had to put on my winter coat, actually grab some gloves. I get in the car and putting the heat on. It's the middle of May, right? June is only a little over two weeks away. Enough with this weather. Can we have sunshine in 70, please? 37 when I get up? Oh, man. Where is the summer? Let's start on the diamond. I often laugh when media bobbleheads use the term bench-clearing brawl. Because typically what happens in baseball, you've all seen it, guys come sprinting out of the dugout or the bullpen like they're Carl Lewis or Ben Johnson or Usain Bolt, some track star out there, or like they're an NFL player in a 40-yard dash. And then when they get on the field, they do two things, jack and squat. And Jack just left town. They play patty cake. Remember that little kid game or when you're a baby, you play patty cake? 
I mean, that's what they do. They push and, and shove each other a little bit. A lot of flapping at the gums. Everybody's talking trash, but they don't really do anything. And then eventually they go back to the dugout. Much ado about nothing. Well, that was not the case Sunday in Arlington, Texas. The Rangers don't like the Jays because Jose Bautista flipped his bat after hitting a big home run in the ALDS last year. We all remember it. Sunday was the final meeting between the two teams this season. So we fast forward to the eighth inning. Bautista is up, likely his last at bat versus Texas this season, unless they would meet in the playoffs, and who knows about that. So Bautista's up at the plate. Matt Bush drills him. (laughs) Now why the Rangers waited until his last at bat of the series is beyond me. If you want to hit him, you do it early in the first game of the series, not in the last game of the series. And it sure looked like it to me that Bush was trying to hit Bautista on purpose. It was a fastball headed directly for his ribs. Big league pictures, they have pinpoint control. Now, every now and then, some will get away. And for those of you who are in the Philadelphia area, you remember Mitch Wilding Williams. We've seen some pitchers who can't throw strikes. For the most part, you don't get to the big leagues unless you can spot your fastball. All right? Put it up, put it down in the zone, put it on the corners, inner half, outer half. That's what I'm talking about. You don't see guys miss by feet. On purpose. This ball was going right to Bautista's ribs. Do I know for a fact that Bush was trying to drill him? No, but it sure as heck looked like that. And as for baseball's unwritten rules, who the heck knows what they are this week? But I will say this it does seem lame that you hit the guy in his final at bat of the series. I mean, if you have this big axe to grind, why don't you take care of business? In game one, his first plate appearance. Plus, it's it's poor strategy. It's just dumb to do it in the eighth inning. This was a one-run ball game. What are you doing? You're putting the tie run on base in the eighth inning to, to settle some grudge? Anywho, Bautista's on first base. Ground ball is hit. Bautista slides hard into second base to break up the double play. Now, obviously, he is ticked off because he just got beamed. Rugnet Odor is the second baseman for the Rangers. Bautista slides late and hard into his legs. Odor pushes Bautista and then delivers a right hand, punches him right in the face. And it was a clean shot to Bautista's jaw. Credit to Jose Bautista. He did not go down. I mean, maybe you should look into boxing after this whole baseball career. He's got a pretty good chin. I mean, he took that punch and he did not go down. That was a better punch than I saw all of last year in the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, (laughs) which was a ton of hype and very little action. I was shocked, though, when I saw this happen. It was a stunner to me because 99.9% of the time, baseball players never actually throw a punch. And not only did Odor throw the punch, he landed it. I mean, it was a clean shot 
to the jaw. Bautista stayed on his feet. This was not a knockdown, no KO for Odor. They would have to go to the scorecards here. Now, Bautista got grabbed, so he never threw any punches back. They were both ejected, as was Josh Donaldson. When the game resumed, and we're not done yet, Jesse Chavez beans Prince Fielder with the very next pitch. And Prince Fielder handled it well. Now, he's a big dude, but he just laughed and he just kind of pointed at Chavez and said, get out of here. And he was ejected, of course. Both teams left the dugouts again. This time, though, no punches were exchanged. Texas winds up winning the game 7-6. Nobody is talking about the game. I guess in one respect, Major League Baseball should be happy that people are actually talking about Major League Baseball. Now, nobody's talking about the game. They're not talking about any big hit or any great pitch or anything like that. They're talking about a fight. They're talking about a punch, violence on the field. But this time of year, everybody's into the NBA playoffs. If you're a hockey fan, you're into the Stanley Cup playoffs. We have the NBA lottery coming up. People are still talking about the NFL draft a little bit, getting ready for that. You know, you talk NFL year-round. Sometimes this time of year, you're, you're a month in now, and baseball seems to get pushed to the back burner. Well, today, around the water cooler, everybody is talking about this punch. Not necessarily the game, but they're talking about the punch. Rangers, Blue Jays. A side note to this, Blue Jays manager John Gibbons was ejected earlier in the game for arguing balls and strikes. When the bench is cleared, he came from the clubhouse back out onto the field. So Major League Baseball is going to be looking into that as well. Gibbons said, and this is priceless, quote, I didn't want to sit here and drink too much wine. (laughs) So instead, he goes back out on the field. Uh, Gibbons said on a serious note that what Texas did was, quote, gutless. He was annoyed that they waited until Bautista's last at bat to plunk him. And I talked about that before. I agree with him there. The Rangers will say, well, why would we put the time run on base in the eighth inning? But again, if you saw the pitch from Bush, it was going right at his ribs. It did not look like a pitch that just got away. The big surprise to me was that a punch was actually thrown. That almost never happens in Major League Baseball. And I bet the league is going to come down hard on Odor for that. Still to come, I'll tell you who is the biggest surprise in Major League Baseball. We'll talk about the NBA playoffs, a little bit on the NHL playoffs. Jason Day and what he did this weekend, my trip to Yankee Stadium, all that and more here on episode number 417 of the Sports Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's show brought to you by our great sponsor. They've been with us for a long time now, and that is iHome. Go to the website, iHomeAudio.com. iHome has a new weather-tough line of Bluetooth speakers. They are waterproof, they are rust-proof, and get this, They're military standard shockproof. These things are tough, like Jose Bautista's jaw. All right, tough. From Bluetooth and docking clock radios to portable wireless speakers, iHome combines great value and exceptional quality, and that is a winning combination. iHome also offers a full line of quality headphones and earbuds for the fitness guru, 
the traveler and lots of people like to travel when we get to the summer or just for hanging out at home and relaxing. Go to the website again, iHomeAudio.com. Take a look at all their great products, all the apps, all the accessories. iHome is the number one brand in digital speakers. iHomeAudio.com. Trust me, the sound quality cannot be beat and all their products look really cool too and they sound terrific ihomeaudio.com back here on episode 417 of the sports report i'm paul roberts with you every monday on the grizz that's grizzlyproductions.tv and of course in the podcast section of itunes all right we just dealt with one surprise you had a benches clearing brawl that was actually a brawl actually had a punch thrown now let's get to another surprise The biggest one in Major League Baseball has to be the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies and Braves, go back to my big preview special before the season. Remember when I was doing over-unders, okay? The two worst teams, according to Vegas, the odds makers out there in the desert, the two lowest totals were the Braves and the Phillies. The Braves, well, they are holding up their end of the bargain. They are a dumpster fire. Absolutely pathetic. But the Phillies are 22 and 16 and only one game out of first place. They're a game behind the Washington Nationals in the NL East. Nobody, and I mean nobody, saw this coming. And I live an hour from Philadelphia. My radio station has carried the Phillies for many, many years. Going into this season, nobody thought this team was a contender. The over-under was 66-67 wins in Vegas. This is a club that lost 99 games a year ago. 99. Right now, Philadelphia, it's, it's hard for me even to say this, Philadelphia has the third best record in the National League. You have the Cubs, the Nationals, and the Phillies. <laughs> and what's crazy is how they're winning. They are minus 30 in run differential. Negative 30. They've been outscored by 30 runs, yet they're six games over 500. So I'll let you try and figure that one out. The reason is, one of the big ones, one run games. They are an amazing 14-3 and in one run games. That is mind-boggling. I mean, that is absurd. Genmar Gomez How many of you, if you tripped over him outside your front door, would know who Genmar Gomez is? He is leading Major League Baseball in saves. Most of you have never even heard of this guy. The Phillies, outside of Odubel Herrera, who was a Rule 5 pickup, and he's playing really well right now. He's their center fielder. He's a leadoff hitter. Much more patient this year. He's already got more walks this year, and we're in the middle of May, than he had all of last season. So he's really changed his approach. Outside of Odubel Herrera, they aren't hitting a little bit. They're 14th in the league in runs scored, 14th in batting average at 231, 14th in OPS at 652, and 14th in home runs with just 29. Awful numbers. The only team worse in the National League, you guessed it, the Atlanta Braves. 
But the starting pitching keeps them in games. I'm a huge Aaron Nola fan. I saw him a lot at the double-A level here in Reading. Doesn't have you know, 95, 97, 98 stuff like some of the Mets starters do. But he's a, a young right-hander who really knows how to pitch. Phenomenal command. Great curveball. And he can really spot up. Never walks anybody. And he's done a really good job. Vince Velasquez, another young right-hander. He had a 16-strikeout game earlier this season. I mean, they have a lot of young guys in the rotation, along with Jeremy Hellickson. And then the bullpen, I talked about Gomez, leads all baseball in saves. Hector Neris is the setup man. Again, how many of you have ever even heard of Hector Neris? And those two have been lights out. It's like the old days with the Yankees, with Wetland and Rivera. Going back to run differential, minus 30. Here are some other teams in the neighborhood, and they are all under 500. Milwaukee, minus 38. Their record, 16 and 22. San Diego, minus 22. Their record, 17 and 22. Yankees, minus 22. Their record, 16 and 20. Houston, what's going on with the Houston Astros? Everybody loved them preseason. They're minus 26 in run differential. Their record, 15 and 24. Yet the Phillies are six games over 500. Angels, minus 23 run differential. Their record, 16 and 21. You get the point. The Phillies are an aberration. A statistical anomaly here. You moneyball, sabermetrics folks, figure this one out. Now, do I think they can keep this up? No. Eventually, it is going to catch up to them. The law of averages will come back into play, especially in baseball where you have to play 162 games, not 16 like the NFL. But for now, they're an interesting team to keep an eye on. Some nights, it's almost comical how they win. I find myself laughing out loud. Friday, they got three runs off of one hit. And those are the only three runs they scored all game. Couple walks, then a triple down the line that just stayed fair, and then a squeeze bunt. And they beat the Reds 3-2. Three to two. Three runs on one hit, and you win a game. Only the Braves have a worse offense, and yet... Philadelphia is 22 and 16. Atlanta's 9 and 27. So the Phillies are the biggest surprise in Major League Baseball through a month and a half. The White Sox, 10 games over 500 right now. The Astros, who I mentioned, the third worst record in Major League Baseball. Those are also big surprises. Houston's over under win total was 87 and a half. That was the highest in the American League. And they're nine games under right now. But baseball is a marathon, not a sprint, and a lot can change. Moving on here on episode 417, if you want to talk about the biggest surprises in Major League Baseball, maybe you disagree, maybe you don't think it's the Phillies, you can weigh in on Twitter at the Sports RPT. You want to talk about the fight in the Rangers-Blue Jays game, you can do that as well on Twitter at the Sports RPT. RPT. I was at Yankee Stadium Saturday with my dad. My dad, a long time Yankees fan, and we were with some friends as well. I had an eleven dollar bacon cheeseburger. Actually, actually, I lied. It was ten fifty. 
quite a bargain. Beers were between 10 and, and 12 bucks. The good news is I got to see the Yankees win 2-1 to one over the White Sox. And the game lasted less than two and a half hours, which is unbelievable for an American League game. You have the designated hitter in there. Heck, sometimes the Yankees play the Red Sox. It's a four-hour game. This was two hours, 25 minutes. The weather was beautiful. The rain held off. A little bit of a breeze there. Sun came out for a little bit. And I got to see Dallin Batances, Andrew Miller, and Araldis Chapman. I mean, these guys are ridiculous. Good luck getting a hit off of them late in the game. All three could be closers in the big leagues. Every one of them. Chapman was hitting 101 on the radar gun. Miller has a nasty slider, but Tansis has a really good hook, and they both throw hard, too. They faced 10 batters on Saturday, the three of them. Eight of those batters struck out. Eight of the 10. I've never seen anything like it. The White Sox had no shot. Chapman had been suspended for a month, so this is the first time this season that all three appeared in the same game. Uh, This has to be the best bullpen in the major leagues. I know Kansas City has a really, really good bullpen. There are some other teams too. But I'll take Batances. I'll take Miller and Chapman over anybody in baseball. If the Yankees only had better starting pitching and Sabathia's hurt and then Severino left the game with a sore elbow and they haven't hit much either. I mean, you look in the batting average up and down that lineup. Man, oh man, outside of Castro, it is brutal. It's an older team, and they're waiting for some of these big-money contracts to expire. Congratulations, by the way, Carlos Beltran, career home run number 400. It's one of only four switch hitters all time with 400 home runs. Pretty impressive stuff. Mickey Mantle, Chipper Jones, Eddie Murray on that list, and now Carlos Beltran. Oh, I saw some very interesting jerseys at the game. This always cracks me up. How about Robinson Cano? You know, the guy who left New York for Seattle? Last July, I was at a Yankees game. He hit two home runs against the Yankees to help Seattle beat New York. Just my luck. The game I go to, and he hits two bombs for the other team. I saw a David Justice jersey. (laughs) Number one... He only played a season and a half with the Yankees. Number two, that was 15 years ago. I also saw, and this isn't even a baseball jersey, I saw a Ben Gordon Chicago Bulls jersey. Now, they were playing the White Sox, so there were some Chicago fans there. But Ben Gordon? He hasn't played in Chicago since 2009. Of all the basketball jerseys you're going to bring, Ben Gordon? Uh, How do you spell wardrobe upgrade? (laughs) Crack me. I love seeing these jerseys that, that people wear. This is episode 417 of the Sports Report. I'm Paul Roberts on grizzlyproductions.tv. New shows every Monday on the Grizz and in the podcast section of iTunes. To hoops, let's go north of the border. Miami at Toronto, Game 7. Both teams went to a Game 7 in the first round as well. Toronto beat Indiana. Miami got by Charlotte. I am not a a fan of the uh, Raptors or the Heat, so I didn't have a horse in the race. All I wanted, is it too much to ask 
for a close game. And I figured we were due for a tight one after what the NHL gave us last week. Two Game 7 laughers behind the woodshed specials. The Sharks shut out the Predators 5 nothing, and the Blues pounded the Stars 6-1. to I guess the Blues missed the extra point. No drama whatsoever. You could find more drama in an episode of the Flintstones or the Jetsons than those NHL Game 7s. The Heat had won four consecutive Game 7s, one shy of the NBA record, but all those victories were at home. Not this time. I want to give the Toronto fans credit. That arena was rocking. They do a fantastic job up there. Those fans are really into the game. They love the Raptors. Not just a hockey town. You think Canada, you think hockey. Well, they don't have a team in the playoffs this year in the NHL. Those fans really love the Raptors. The first half was competitive. Toronto led by six at the break. Then the Raptors raced out to a 17-point lead in the third quarter. But what do we know about the NBA? Everybody makes a run. And it went from 17 down to 6 before DeMar DeRozan hit a jumper that made it 86-78 going to the fourth quarter. Toronto put on a show in the fourth quarter. They could not miss from three-point land. They dominated on the glass. They held Miami to 11 points. 11 points in 12 minutes. It was all Raptors in the fourth quarter. They outscored the Heat 30-11 to in that quarter and rolled to a 116-89 win in Game 7. They win it by 27, reaching the conference finals for the first time in franchise history. We knew guard play was huge in this series. Kyle Lowry and DeRozan stunk up the joint in Game 1. Game 7, they were brilliant. They combined for 63 35 for Lowry on 11 of 20 shooting, 5 of 7 from 3, and he almost had a triple-double. He had 9 assists, and he had 7 rebounds in this game. DeRozan went for 28 points, took him 29 shots to get there, which is not a very efficient night, but he did hit that key jumper to end the third corner, and that stopped Miami's momentum. He also pulled down 8 boards. Speaking of that, Toronto out-rebounded Miami by 20, 50-30. Two words, Bismack Biombo. The 23-year-old from Zaire had a monster game, 17 points, 16 rebounds. He's a very high-energy player, a fan favorite. Both teams saw their centers, Valanchunas and Whiteside, get injured in this series. Biombo made the most of his opportunity. He's still raw offensively. He's not going to beat you in the low post. You're, you're not going to throw the ball down to him on the block. But he's physical, a really, really strong finisher. He'll bend the rim, runs the floor, he blocks shots. So he did a great job. Everybody contributed in the starting lineup for Toronto in this game. Uh, back to the guard play. 63 for Lowry and DeRozan compared to 32 for D. Wade and Goran Dragic, who took Toronto apart in Game 6 at Miami. Dragic shot 6 of 17 in Game 7, and he was 0 for 5 from 3. As a team, the Heat were 7 for 25 from downtown. That is 28%. 
Toronto finished 9 for 20. Miami can't be happy with its defense, giving up 116 points. And here's an interesting tidbit. Toronto has not lost consecutive games since March 23rd through the 25th. It's over a month and a half ago. So the stage is set, Final Four NBA style. We got the top two seeds in the East, Cleveland and Toronto, and a number one versus a three seed out West in Golden State and Oklahoma City. Cavs are 8-0 this postseason. Shot the whites out from three against Atlanta. Cleveland is a big-time favorite versus Toronto. That series starts Tuesday. I can't see the Raptors upsetting LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. I think the series will go five games. I'll give Toronto one win, but that's it. Cleveland is on a much different level than Miami and Indiana, teams that took Toronto to seven games. In the Western Conference, I was hoping for Golden State-San Antonio. Credit to the Thunder. They were the better team in that series. They earned the right to go to the Conference Finals. I thought the Spurs would give the defending champs a tougher time. San Antonio is the best defensive team in the league. I thought LaMarcus Aldridge could be a difficult matchup for the Warriors. Plus, Kawhi Leonard is a superstar. Guy gets it done on both ends of the floor. Oklahoma City likes to get up and down, led by Russell Westbrook at the point. He's going to push the rock, but nobody plays that style better than Golden State. And Westbrook can get crazy at times, needs to limit those turnovers. Kevin Durant's going to get his points, one of the best pure scorers that we've ever seen in this league. I think this is going to be a fast-paced, high-scoring series. I will take the Warriors in six. And when you talk Golden State, you have to mention Steph Curry. Became the NBA's first unanimous MVP, winning the award for the second straight season. How about that? I mean, right away you think, Michael Jordan was not a unanimous MVP, but he wasn't. Curry swept all 131 first place votes. 130 are from media members, and there's a fan vote. Kawhi Leonard was second, LeBron James a distant third. Curry had been the favorite. The Warriors, of course, won 24 in a row to start the year. Uh, That was a record. They were 73-9 and overall. That was a record. They surpassed the 95-96 Chicago Bulls, who went 72-10. and What stands out is that he is the first unanimous MVP. Shaq and LeBron got close, but each fell one vote shy in 2000 with Shaq and 2013 with LeBron. So Curry joins Tom Brady and Wayne Gretzky as the only unanimous MVPs in their respective leagues. Brady was a unanimous MVP in 2010, Gretzky back in 82 when he won the Hart Trophy. There have been 17 in Major League Baseball, including last season Bryce Harper in the National League. Curry, the first player in league history to average 30 points in less than 35 minutes per game over a full season. I mean, that is impressive. He made 402 threes, breaking his own record, which he set last season of 286. Crazy how many threes this guy made. He joined Steve Nash and his coach, Steve Kerr, as the only players in league history to shoot at least 50% from the floor, 
45% from three, 90% from the line. Only three players have done that. Nash, Kerr, and now Steph Curry. He's the 11th player to win back-to-back MVPs in the NBA. LeBron was the last. He did it with the Heat in 2012 and 2013. Now, I'm from outside of Philly, so I'm a longtime Sixers fan, something I don't mention very often. I think you know why. But I appreciate greatness. And that's what we're watching here with Curry. True greatness. What he's doing at his size, it's remarkable. One of the all-time best shooters. There's no doubt about that. I think he's up there with Ray Allen, Larry Bird, Reggie Miller. Those are three that come to mind right away. His dribbling skills are crazy. His range, unbelievable. Basically, when he gets past half court, you have to guard the guy. And this team... They're changing the game. It's now much more about small ball, shooting a lot of threes, getting out in transition, run and gun. It's that type of league now. It's not about the dominant centers anymore. Just look at the four teams that are left in the playoff. There's not one dominant center in the playoffs. Those days are over. Bob Dylan, one of my favorites, said the times, they are changing. And I think fans like it. They want the action. They like seeing these long threes. They like seeing the up-tempo, fast-break style. And that's what you get. You're not going to get somebody with Golden State that's you know dumping it down into the post and just backing in, backing in, backing in as the shot clock winds down. You don't see that with the Golden State. Fun team to watch, and people really respect them. It, it takes some time to get used to that because we're so used to teams with big guys winning whether it was Shaq or Akeem Olajuwon or the Twin Towers of David Robinson and and Tim Duncan, or you go back to Kareem or the Celtics had the front line of Parrish and McHale, or you think about a Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, big guys were winning championships. That's not Golden State. And there are a lot of teams like that. Same for Oklahoma City. They're going to rely on Durant and Westbrook. Cavaliers, you're talking about LeBron, who's like a point forward, Kevin Love, and Kyrie Irving. You look at Toronto, it's the guards, Lowry and DeRozan. I mean, carrying those teams. It's a different game now. This is episode 417 of the Sports Report. I want to hear your picks for the NBA Conference Finals. Let me know on Twitter at the Sports RPT. The Sports RPT. Who do you like out west? Who do you like in the east? I have to imagine almost everybody is on the Cavaliers. The NHL Western Conference Finals are underway. little pinball on ice here at the end of the show. Blues beat the Sharks in a game one of that series. Brian Elliott made 31 saves. San Jose 0 for 3 on the power play. So the Blues jump out on top of the Sharks in that Western Conference final series. And I also want to mention some golf here. Jason Day goes wire to wire to win the Players' Championship. Shot a final round 71 on Sunday, won by four strokes. Nobody got within two strokes of this guy. He finished the tournament 15 under. How hot is Jason Day? Past 10 months, he's won seven events. You look at the top 10 you have Day at number one. Spieth is ranked number two. Roy McIlroy's third. Bubba Watson, fourth. Ricky Fowler, fifth. 
Adam Scott, Dustin Johnson, also in the top 10. Tiger's not playing, but all these young guys, hopefully you get some true rivalries there. They're all good guys, though. That's the thing. You don't really have a villain. You know, you don't really have the bad boy there. You know, like you did with the Pistons, the bad boys, Lambeer and Rodman and all those guys. You know, Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, Vinny Johnson, great teams. Uh, John Sally. But they, there were some bad dudes on that team. With these guys, you know, they all look like paper boys out there. But I think golf's in pretty good hands. I like to see Tiger just because he's an all-time legend. But these guys can play. Jason Day, wire to wire to win the Players' Championship. Ended up 15 under. Your thoughts on that? Also welcome on Twitter at the Sports RPT. The Sports RPT on Twitter. Hopefully it warms up. The sun comes out. I hope you have a great week. Enjoy the conference finals in the NBA and the NHL. Pittsburgh losing game one to Tampa Bay in the Steel City. How about them apples? So it's a fun time of year. NBA lottery coming up. Your thoughts are welcome on Twitter at the Sports RPT. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been episode number 417 of the Sports Report. I'm Paul Roberts on grizzlyproductions.tv.